Monticello, and welcome to the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Hi, I'm April Morley, co-founder of Genius Drive, and this podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and is sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. Yeah, and our mission is to help accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. And to help us do that better, we've invited Dudley Nostrand here with us today. He is a value leader at Sourcegraph, and he's a value leader veteran with a couple of other great programs at Aleutian, at AppDynamics, and BMC. Welcome, Dudley. Thank you, Tom. April, great to be here. Nice to see you guys. Awesome. Well, we're here today to talk about a topic that is really important in folks that are running a value program and are trying to get to that next level of maturity and address an important area of the business, and that's value realization and enabling that post-sale value articulation. Why, Dudley, was value realization so important for you at Sourcegraph? Yeah, good question. So at Sourcegraph, and I would imagine at many other um, kind of SaaS, enterprise SaaS uh, firms, we employ a land and expand model. And so that means that you're usually getting in and trying to land yourself in a smaller fashion and then working towards expanding that footprint, if you will, later on. And so for us, it's the expand part of it that you really want to obviously get get the traction on. And to do that, the customers need to see value in the land. And so right away, you're in a value realization kind of mode um, to try to get that expand uh, motion going. But but really, you can look at that land, and we've, and we've often done this as, as maybe a POC. Maybe you've done one, maybe you haven't. But that initial land is really your ability to take proof points and actual data in a customer's environment and then do do the actual realization afterwards. So for us, you know that that proof and that show and that illustration of value after the land in the customer's environment, which is what which is what really drove it for us. Yeah, we've heard from a lot of practitioners across the industry that value realization is one of their biggest challenges. Why do you think it's such a struggle to implement this kind of program? Yeah, um, you know, Tom and I have been talking about it for, for a long time, and, and I've said it to him and many others. For us, value consultants or value engineers, value realization has been what we the holy grail for our kind of our career, right? It's been the hardest thing to do. It's been the hardest thing to get our arms around and figure out how we're going to re-engage with the customer after you've gone through the pre-sale process of creating a business case, interviewing folks, getting current state, perhaps asking them a lot of questions that they might be not so comfortable in answering as you're kind of, you know, they're, they're opening their kimono and there's a lot of dirty laundry perhaps in there. And the challenge is just that, right? It's getting folks back to the table after they've gone through a buying process and maybe even implemented the software. I mean, let's face it. How often do you ever go back and look at after something you've bought and figure out what the value you've got out of it? I mean, so I think very few people do that. I mean, you know, you might have products in your home or in your car that are constantly reminding you of the value that you're that you're getting. And that's kind of the that's the idea. The challenge is 
you've got people that have maybe moved on from the project that they were working on with you and implementing the software and maybe they're doing something else. Maybe they've left the company. Maybe, maybe a whole nother team has actually taken over ownership of the tool and getting all of those people back together and trying to get a meeting cadence going, re-looking at the tools, re-looking at the results is hard. It's time. It feels like a project instead of an exercise. And it's just really, really hard, in my opinion, in my experience, to get people to come back to the table and revisit the whole thing. Yeah. And then what do you think in terms of customer success, which in the beginning was focused on much more customer delight, right? Making sure the customer's happy, making sure they don't have any issues, making sure the deployment went smooth. And for the most part, focusing, uh -oh. at least in the past, on usage and adoption much more than outcome achievement. Yeah. And I'll even add another challenge on top of that for us in particular. You know, we, we sell a very technical product. Mm -hmm. um, our customer success folks are, in a lot of cases, you know, developers themselves and ex-developers and, you know, to, to get them to start thinking about value in a, at a higher level other than, you know, adoption and usage and, and, and that's it is a challenge. Now, they're, they're totally willing and acceptable and capable of, of doing it. I think it's just a different mindset. And mm -hmm. I think today, you know, value and value realization, as you mentioned, has become such a big part of of why people uh, spend money, want to spend money, need to spend money. And we've just had to recenter and reframe the whole kind of relationship piece of the post sale, i.e. customer success, to start talking about problems that are being solved, metrics that are, that are being impacted by our solution and our tools. And like you mentioned, Tom, the outcomes and Again, for a highly technical product, that's kind of just an area where customer success folks may or may not be comfortable. So you were able to accomplish this at SourceGraph, uh, SourceGraph with an embedded value realization approach. So can you share with us more about how you did that? Yeah, sure. So kind of like for a good part of my career and the time I've been doing this, I've always kind of thought and there was a there was a there was a company a long time ago um, that that actually had this. But if you could get if you could get visualization of what's happening in the solution or the tool that you're using, and, and to reaffirm why you bought it in the first place, whether you're it's showing you you know it like like for uh, like Calendly shows you how much time you've saved in booking meetings and those kinds of things like those kinds of feedback mechanisms in like IT and technical tools, I've always thought that to be a very powerful notion, but yet there wasn't a lot of it around at the time. Um, what we tried to do at SourceGraph was create a dashboard where at the very least it foments and starts a conversation around what the tool is providing back to the to the development organization or the individuals or the development team uh, in, in a very simple way. And for us, it's, you know, we, we, we sell a product, a developer productivity solution, which is a lot about saving developers time. 
Okay, it's very hard to measure the value of, of someone's time, but we thought we would take a shot at it and show in, the, in, in a dashboard inside the solution the activities and actions that the tool is performing over a period of time, a week, three months, 12 months, and assigning a baseline of time saved that we had figured and, and compiled through many customer interviews and, and, and case studies and have that be out there so that a customer could look at that and be like, wow, is this like, you know, this is really awesome or this is really cool or is this real? Let me let me get SourceGraph on the phone. I want to talk through this uh, and talk about what's happening here. And that was really like like that's it. All we wanted to do was get the conversation going, <laughs> you know, so that we could build a relationship, keep the relationship going, like like get the customer and us interacting. Um, and it turns out that those metrics and and the and the telemetry that we're showing in that dashboard. Uh, had actually a lot larger impact than just getting people to the table as as we've come to find. Yeah. Dudley, you're so right. If you make it a uh, part of the solution and it's there, then everyone can leverage it. Otherwise, it becomes a discovery project, one where you have to have some pretty good uh, curiosity skills and sleuthing skills. You have to be almost a value engineer or at least have some characteristics of that. And yeah. that's difficult to impart to customer success when they're busy with so much else. So I love the fact of instrumentation. And then I think there's a layer on top of that where you've got the metrics now that are being captured by the solution and, and you're in, instrumented it with the time savings. To me, there still needs to be a story that gets told. And I think yeah. a lot of times in QBRs, they're not having those kind of business level story discussions. Did you reshape that part as well to try to get customer success to be better value storytellers with that instrumentation? Yeah, so so yes, and it's obviously still a work in progress as is everything. But what we're trying to do is is and and and, and the metrics that are being shown in our solution are really um, a lot still kind of an early phase. It's a lot around usage and adoption and things like that. And, and that's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a V1, but what we're trying to do is take that information, put it in the hands of the customer success folks uh, and, and have them maybe foment or, or create some questions around, okay, I see that, you're you're using it this way, and it looks like it's saving you a bunch of time here. Can you can we drill down into what you're actually doing in those cases in that instance? What are those changes that you're making? What are those things that you're clicking on to have that register as a time savings? And so then we're obviously using that to build a story because when you're in a QBR, and I think it's fine to show adoption and usage metrics. But the higher up the chain you get, as you guys know, it starts to become a little bit about, okay, so what? That's great, but, and you wanna be able to get that impact story going. And so we're trying to have those kind of conversations and there's a lot of enablement around that that we're doing internally um, to, to get those folks to make that, make that connection. Obviously I'm, you know, I'm in those enablement sessions, I'm doing that enablement, but, but that's really kind of the key, Tom, just what you said. It's, it's getting those folks at those levels that are having those conversations to, to be able to cross that 
chasm, if you will, between the technical metrics and the things that it's showing technically, and what does that mean to the team or the organization? Like you've got, you've got to be able to do that, lead that conversation, get people's wheels and their minds spinning around how it's impacting the team, and then get them to the point where they're either repeating it back to you or they're coming up with their own ideas around how, how it's going. Love that. So you had mentioned earlier that uh, the embedded value realization more than peaked the customer's interest. I'd love to hear more about the impact that you've seen of the program and how the customers have been responding. Yeah. So great question. A great point. They, we, we, it's been very popular. I, I will just say that we didn't expect it to be quite as popular in so much as folks are now asking for more. Okay. So that's all, that's a good thing. And I think what they're asking for are, are more, more metrics that denote actual value. In other words, show me what teams are using it. Show me what they're using it for. Are we solving security vulnerabilities here? Like, like real, real detailed usage metrics that are coming out of it. Um, and we want to see, you know, we want to break it up by X, Y, Z. I want to see what teams are doing what. Like it's really starting to become a, a productivity dashboard model than more just a kind of source graph. What are we doing with source graph thing? It's more like this this tool we want to use to measure productivity of our teams. We, you know, myself and my colleagues that came up with this, we never that that's not where we thought it would go, but it seems to be going that way. And you know, it's it's great. And I think other I, I, I'm kind of seeing out there some other. Um, some other solutions for some other companies that are starting to get on board with, with providing these value-related dashboards and metrics, mm -hmm. and I think it's great. First of all, like like so like the customers should be clapping their hands and cheering because this is all going to benefit them uh, as well as the sales teams, right? Because now you're all looking at the same value, kind of at the same time, and so. It's really like we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback from our customers. I would say, I would say more so from larger organizations, only because I feel like, and this is a hypothesis of mine, that the larger development organizations, there's probably a little, it's a little bit more invisible to them in terms of seeing what other teams and, and individuals are doing because they're talking about so many people. We're talking about 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 development organizations and they're really trying to get their hands on productivity what's actually happening what teams are doing what where are they geographically and am i do i have the right balance of developers here or develop that whole thing so mm -hmm. it's really kind of taken off um it's you know for us we're, we're still trying to get our arms around how we how we do it and put it out there but the ideas are definitely there yeah couple of points on the program to, to talk about. One is that in your post-sale value realization, you're not going as deep as you're going in pre-sale, right? You, they don't need a complete business value assessment. Um, it's true. It's not those large ones that we've probably all done, you know, in our past and I'm probably people are still doing today, mm -hmm. but at SourceGraph, it's more of, um, it's more of a, 
value proposition with maybe one layer of depth to it, I would say, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're, like we're, if we can't, you know, we're not able to get a whole lot of current state data out of our pre-sale engagement only because it's very light touch. It's very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there might be a POC, there might not be a POC. And if there is, it's short. We might send out a survey asking folks questions about their experience and, you know, how surveys go, right? You don't, it, it's not a great like response rate. Mm-hmm. And so we do our best to use the baselines that we have, which we're constantly validating with the customers that do allow us to do that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of value proposition with baselines. And, and that's what gets back to what I said earlier, where, so the real exercise is the value realization part of it, right? Like mm-hmm. we've got our baselines, but we're really itching to go put that in there and then see later on what the actual the results are. Yeah. yeah. The other is that I've seen that's worked really well is making sure that you're reiterating the goals and the strategic alignment back through the realization reviews with the customer. I think a lot of times we get lost in maybe the details of of value, but you've got to remind them of why they bought in the first place. What are the goals they were looking to achieve? And then also have a discussion with them in the expansion of maybe goals that they might want to expand into. Yeah, it's it's a great point. And we find we find often that um because SourceGraph, the solution that we bring to the to the market, code search and and some of the things we have are are kind of newish in fact that we've got to make people understand what we do and what our product does. It's not something that's been around for a long time. So we go into these engagements and a lot of the time the customer is like, you know, we don't we don't know what it's like to have good code search. Like we don't know what problems this might solve for us, to be honest. And so, okay, that's fine. We have some ideas. Here's our value drivers and the use cases that we use. And so that works, but really to your point, going in in a value realization uh, process, you have to be able to uncover anything that they're doing with the, with your solution that you hadn't talked about before. I mean, right like keep adding on the value yeah. and it might be the case where they said yeah we use it for what we bought it for and it's it, and it's really great but this part that we didn't know that we could use is is like a home run for us we have a we have a um a feature called batch changes which allows you to do large scale changes all at one time across your entire code mm-hmm. your entire code base and multi repos or a huge mono repo all at once and a lot of folks we we come to and talk about that, they're like, yeah, that's great. But we're not like we don't do large scale changes only because it's such a pain in the neck and we mm-hmm. just it would, you know, it'd kill us time wise. And so we're estimating the value there, but we really have nothing to go on in the beginning. When we come to value realization, we find that, geez, we're making 14 changes a month and this is great. And like now we're ca- kind of doing a pre-sale exercise for for realization, right? And it kind of works out really well that way. And that's just the nature of the way it's happening for us. And I I think that's fine. But but you know, one of the other things I wanted to, to talk about here today is what what that what I just described does in terms of the relationship that you're having with the customer. 
because I'm not sure a lot of people or a lot of vendors, if you will, do value realization. So the act of having that practice and process in and of itself, I believe is could be a differentiator mm -hmm. for between yourself and maybe come renewal time, they might be looking at a competitor. I feel like that process, that end-to-end -end value life cycle, if you will, can be a relationship like gold chip and be a real differentiator in, in your relationships. Such great points you've brought, Dudley. Um, what's the one thing that you'd like to leave the Enterprise Value Collective with today? You know, I think I think that was it. I I, I think that I think that having those kinds of of relationship fostering processes, especially value realization, because it is relatively new, but it's really the better part of the value life cycle, if you ask me, because it's the real numbers, it's the real customer's data. I would say if you could if you can do things that really enhance the relationship and show the customer that you really actually are trying to show them the value for what you for what they paid for and not just taking the transaction and and kind of treating them all okay and or not i think that right there is the key and i think value realization is one of those things that can foster a really long term relationship so great so there you have it it's all about the relationship with the customer uh, so thank you so much for joining us on the value coffee talk podcast Thank yeah. you guys. It was great talking to you. Uh, I love, love seeing you guys and I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dudley. Please sign up if you haven't yet for the Enterprise Value Collective. You can do that on LinkedIn or on our GeniusDrive.com website. Stay in touch with us on the latest events, tools, insights. And then on the podcast, be sure to hit like. Make sure you subscribe so you'll be notified when we have a new episode. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together. Thank you.